Chapter Fourteen of the Spider by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter Fourteen. Run to Earth. In half an hour, more or less, Vernon came to himself slowly and opened his eyes in a bewildered manner. He was in complete darkness and for the moment could not remember where he was or what had taken place. Gradually, memory returned to him, and he sat up painfully to recall details. His head throbbed with the violence of the fall, and the short, sharp struggle had set his nerves jangling like ill-tuned bells. Rising to his feet with an effort, he wondered why the Indian had not finished him off, then recollected the rapid words of Maunders in an unknown tongue. Probably he had been speaking Tamil, and had ordered the man not to go to extremities. As in the case of Colonel Towton, when the creature had been warned by Diabella, or rather by Maunders, as in this instance, the native had stopped short of actual murder. In Maunders' desperate enterprise it was necessary that he should remain on the right side of the law. Striking a match, Vernon ascertained that he was still in the tent, for its blue glimmer showed the figures and hieroglyphics weirdly flickering on canvas walls. Apparently the criminals, for they were nothing else, had fled, leaving him insensible, and Vernon wondered that he had not been discovered. But when he walked outside he saw on the door a notice stating that the booth was closed for an hour, and guessed that in this way Maunders had provided time for flight so warned no one would enter the tent and evidently both the noise of the struggle and his cry for assistance had passed unheeded vernon drew a long breath and stood where he was watching the crowd of people merry-making under hundreds of coloured lamps quite oblivious to the fact that a tragedy had nearly taken place under their very noses he wondered what was best to be done it was useless to go to those in authority at the georgian hall as no one would credit his wild tale although the flight of diabella and her accomplices might lend colour to his narrative moreover vernon decided that more than ever was it necessary to hunt down maunders in secrecy as he wished for a full explanation from him before calling in drench to assist likewise for the sake of ida of mrs bedge and lady corsoon vernon wished if possible to avoid publicity since any scandal would certainly bring their names into unpleasant notoriety for these reasons the young man left the georgian hall without telling any one what had happened but he chuckled as he went to think how the public would be disappointed to find the tent of the sorceress empty also how amazed those managing the bazaar would be to discover that diabella had vanished with her takings for the day which would be considerable. Vernon felt quite sure that a man so unscrupulous as Maunders would not hesitate to seize the till, seeing that, having been exposed and doubtful if his old schoolfellow would hold his tongue, he would want all the money he could get to assist his flight. The question was to learn whither he had fled, and what track to follow in order to hunt him down. It was close upon seven o'clock, and outside the georgian hall vernon hesitated as to his next step he wondered whether it would be better to go home and retire to bed since he felt shaken by the struggle or to seek out colonel towton and enlist him as a fellow pursuer in the man-hunt 
finally he decided to take a taxi to the colonel's chambers and relate what had happened for he knew that unless he discussed the matter he would only worry the whole night over the catastrophe he therefore fortified himself with a stiff brandy and a soda at a near hotel and pulled himself together for a serious conversation and serious enough it would be for constantine maunders who could not be permitted to continue in his nefarious career as it happened towton late in dressing for dinner had not yet left his rooms for the athenian club vernon arrived at a quarter to eight just as the colonel opened the door the two came face to face with mutual joy at greeting my dear vernon i am glad to see you i am simply dying to have a talk as i can do nothing but think of the entanglement in which we find ourselves you can't be more pleased than i am at having found you colonel i have had an adventure with diabella the deuce have you learned who she is who he is you mean yes that mask concealed constantine maunders towton sat down on one of the hall chairs and stared you mean to say that the young scamp has been masquerading as a woman vernon nodded and sat down wearily for his bones ached i presume he thought that there would be less danger of discovery if he changed his sex i expect he wore those long egyptian robes over his ordinary clothes when discarding them he would reappear as maunders and could easily escape without being noticed in the crowd he's clever as constantine and yet not clever enough i don't know what you're talking about said towton gruffly and rising to his feet suppose you come with me to the athenian and tell me all about the matter i'm not in evening kit oh the deuce take that said the colonel cheerfully and i'm rather knocked up with my fight fight did maunders show fight no your hindu did he assaulted me as he did you and left his job unfinished in the same way it's a long story and i want your assistance go and have your dinner colonel and i'll lie down on the sofa in your sitting-room until you return pooh pooh i can't eat with such news as this exciting me towton threw off his coat and hung his silk hat on a peg come into the sitting-room and i'll send my man to the nearest restaurant for a meal meanwhile you'd better have a peg for you look as white as a winter's day no thank you colonel i had a brandy and soda just after leaving the georgian hall said vernon as they entered the sitting-room have you been there at the bazaar yes diabella had set up her tent there and was telling fortunes i heard of this at lady corsoon's the other day and so ventured to beard the lioness in her den and the lioness turned out to be a lion chuckled towton throwing himself into a chair after making the sofa comfortable with cushions for his guest well we'll have the whole story after a makeshift dinner for hang it your disclosure has taken away a very excellent appetite Bendham! the colonel turned to the retired soldier who acted as his valet and who had just entered the room go round to the nearest restaurant and tell them to send in the best small dinner they have for two look sharp now you can lay the cloth in the smoking-room we'll make shift there bendham saluted military fashion and took a speedy departure while his master turned his head in the direction of vernon tell me all that has happened to you now he said easily it will be some time before the dinner makes its appearance and i'm on tenterhooks the deuce to think that our blackguard friend for he is that i swear 
should be earning his money as a fortune teller it's worse than towton hesitated and my profession of a detective you would say colonel finished vernon languidly i would rather think so i assist the law and maunders breaks it but neither profession is tempting to a gentleman oh hang your profession said towton impatiently you will soon enter into your kingdom when sir edward gives up the ghost and it's just as well that you have some experience in thief-catching seeing what scoundrels we have to deal with maunders by jove now we'll be able to find out how he came to know that ida wasn't dimsdale's daughter no wonder he decided to give her up seeing that he was after the money what did he say nothing he cleared out of the tent as soon as i discovered his identity where is he now demanded the colonel sharply i don't know that's what i wish to speak to you about and to make things quite clear as i want your opinion you had better hear the whole story towton intimated his desire to be informed of what had taken place and listened attentively while vernon detailed all that had happened since mrs Crimer had informed him of diabella's proposed appearance at the bazaar he ended with a description of his recovering from insensibility in the deserted tent and his subsequent decision to consult the colonel before taking any steps and my reason for wishing to move quietly is obvious was the concluding remark of the young man yes yes i quite understand we must keep miss corsoon's name and that of miss dimsdale out of the papers by the way what did this fellow mean by hinting in his confounded fortune-telling at disgrace to someone closely connected with miss corsoon does he mean her mother or her father vernon felt a trifle confused in his interest in the recital he had unconsciously let slip more than he had been prepared to impart both as a detective and as a gentleman he was bound to keep lady corsoon's secret and as the disclosure of it was not particularly pertinent to the matter in hand he brushed aside towton's question with a scornful laugh oh i dare say that was all patter maunders knows that i love lucy and thought to intimate to me by a threat that he had power to force the mother to support his preposterous claim to marry the girl but after this exposure he will scarcely dare to come forward the blackguard cried the honest colonel heatedly he blackens the character of both man and woman in his endeavours to earn his dirty money but i thought he was supposed to be at gerby hull oh he doubtless arranged that so as to provide himself with an alibi why the deuce should he provide himself with an alibi can't you see how maunders must be the spider said vernon impatiently towton leaped to his feet and began to walk to and fro much perturbed oh impossible i don't like maunders all the same it seems incredible that he should be a murderer i can't see that myself said vernon dryly maunders is half a greek and is as wily as a bird as ever had salt put on its tail whether he gets it from his greek father or from his english mother i can't say but he certainly has that strong criminal taint which induces him to get money for his whims by illegal methods rather than by honest toil besides we can't say if he killed dimsdale even though as is apparent he is the spider miss hest declared to me in all innocence and not with any intention of defending him that maunders was with her nearly all the evening then he can't be the spider insisted the colonel for undoubtedly the spider killed poor old dimsdale so we thought 
so everyone thinks and yet well of course it's not impossible that maunders ordered this nameless native to get the money and the man may have executed the murder without instructions or else said towton emphatically maunders may have had his mask torn off by dimsdale when he came for the money and murdered the old man to prevent discovery it cuts both ways pardon me no if miss hest is to be believed i don't trust that woman said the colonel abruptly she is scheming to get ida to marry her brother i think she will fail there as the brother is in london what yes i met him both at lady corsoon's and at the bazaar he said that his sister did wish to bring about the match but that not being desirous of marrying ida he ran away from the hall leaving the field clear for maunders you forget that maunders is in town masquerading as diabella he may have come up for that purpose well we can ascertain that from mr hest he declares that he left him at gerby hall or that maunders was expected i forget which but we'll see him to-morrow and ask towton shook his head wisely he won't know of maunders movements you never can tell at all events it will do no harm to ask him now i come to think of it said vernon musingly and searching his memory hest told me to-day at the bazaar that he had received a letter from his sister saying that maunders had arrived on sunday morning that was yesterday so it is impossible to believe that maunders went down and came up in such a hurry it's my opinion that he never went to gerby hall at all and i say by jove cried the colonel greatly excited hest told a lie if he said that he received the letter saying that maunders had arrived even if posted in bowderstyke last evening it could not reach him before to-night and you say he gave you the information this afternoon he may have received it at midday no said towton excitedly our post at bowderstyke is very uncertain as i know to my cost this evening or to-morrow morning is the very earliest that hest could receive a letter posted on sunday and as maunders did not arrive until then miss hest could not have written before i don't believe that he arrived at all and i can't conceive why miss hest should tell a falsehood i can she's scheming for this money however i shall go with you to-morrow and we'll have it out with hest where is he to be found he is staying with professor garrick gale at isleworth the deuce ida told me that he did not approve of his sister's reciting nor does he but she asked him to give some message and the professor asked him to stop at isleworth while he was in town he did so as he explained to me so that he could persuade the professor to induce miss hest to give up her career a very lame explanation said the colonel grimly gentlemen don't stay at such places for such weak purposes i tell you vernon that i don't believe in those hests i never did although you defended the sister they had a bad name at bowderstyke as a wild family oh i thought that francis hest was looked upon as a benefactor he is admitted the colonel reluctantly he's a crazy philanthropist with his parish schoolhouses and bali reservoir all the same there's a queer taint about them and they live queer lives i can't see that francis recites in london in a perfectly open and honest way and francis acts in a noble manner as a philanthropist 
i dare say all the same i don't trust either brother or sister they quarrel like mad too most families do retorted vernon dryly as he swung himself off the sofa and francis is certainly trying to further her brother's interest by securing him an heiress that doesn't look as though they quarrelled hm said towton disbelievingly probably the sister has learned that ida isn't an heiress and wants to do her brother a bad turn however it's no use talking as we get no further let us see hest to-morrow and then learn if we can the whereabouts of maunders all depends upon the confession of that scamp but i tell you what vernon if our young friend is this poisonous beast of a spider he would have left england by to-night's mail perhaps but i could not stop him without consulting drench and that means the interference of the police which we wish to avoid it's a damned tangle altogether muttered towton savagely and but here comes bentham to announce dinner come and eat to-morrow we can talk further vernon was quite willing to drop the subject for the time being as his head and limbs still ached with the struggle and he felt more inclined to go to bed than to sit discussing criminal trickery which required a very clear brain even at the makeshift dinner which after all was dainty and tempting he was unable to eat much and excused himself to his host as speedily as he could consistently with politeness after arranging to meet the colonel next day at three o'clock at waterloo station he went home a warm bath took the pains partially away and he was so tired that almost as soon as his head rested on the pillow he dropped into a profound sleep not a single dream broke his rest which was prolonged to ten o'clock the next morning while at breakfast which he devoured with an excellent appetite vernon recollected that he had not professor garrick gale's exact address it was at isleworth that he lived but it was necessary to find the street and number of the house this was quickly learned from an era which he sent his servant to buy and he ascertained that the retired actor dwelt in siddons villa petterby road vernon rather regretted that he had not made the appointment with colonel towton earlier since mr hest might have gone out for the day however he comforted himself with the reflection that in any case hest and towton would meet at dinner on wednesday meanwhile there was always the chance that the yorkshire squire might be at isleworth and in any case vernon felt curious to see where miss hest lived when in town like the colonel he was beginning to mistrust that young lady punctual to the moment vernon arrived at waterloo station but found towton before him they greeted one another cordially and towton congratulated his friend on his improved looks and certainly a night's rest had done wonders for the young man he felt as the saying goes fit as a fiddle and quite looked forward to the visit and i sincerely trust that mr hest is at home he said anxiously we can wait for him if he is not said the colonel shouldering his umbrella in soldier fashion i don't leave until i have seen him that's all in one way or another i intend to have these infernal mysteries cleared up upon my soul sir said the colonel bluffly i feel as though i were bathing in dirty water you are not used to the seamy side of life as i am replied vernon as they passed the barrier and stepped into the train no by jove sir i'm not and once i'm married to ida i shall take care to leave all this sort of thing alone 
not the thing for a gentleman by any means you chuck it also vernon i intend to when my uncle dies once let sir arthur vernon come into existence with a good income and nemo vanishes for ever the colonel nodded his approbation and the two chatted about their errand on the way to isleworth but all they could do in the absence of positive fact was to theorize which was unsatisfactory but they hoped when they laid hands on maunders no very easy matter since the scamp had taken the alarm to have everything cleared up vernon still held that his former friend was the spider but colonel towton disagreed no 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 he said decisively maunders may be bad but he isn't a murderer he's anything that suits his purpose so long as he isn't found out was vernon's retort he's clever and cunning but he isn't bold and would be sure not to bring himself within reach of the hands of justice by bloodshed he has brought himself quite close enough in other ways replied vernon in this way they talked and in due time arrived at the charming suburb of isleworth which looked quite countrified the two descended the steps and passed along a narrow path which led out of the station into the road an inquiry from a passing butcher-boy on a bicycle soon advised them of the whereabouts of petterby road and shortly they found themselves facing a double-fronted house with a small and neglected garden between it and the quiet side-road the sluggard's domain said towton with disgust for like most military men he was excessively tidy might be made pretty if attended to by jove i don't think retired actors go in much for gardening said vernon with a smile as he reached for the knocker a stout woman with the remains of heavy good looks opened the door with the air of a tragedy queen although her dress was scarcely regal vernon asked if he could see mr hest and received in reply the negative as it seemed that mr hest was absent but i anticipate that he will return at a comparatively early hour said the lady grandiloquently can we see professor gale asked vernon determined to enter the house and wait for hours if necessary professor garrick gale said the lady giving him the entire name with the air of a sidon's is resting prior to going later to the curtain theatre but if your errand is pressing yes it is please give the professor my card i am mrs garrick gale formerly miss hetty montgomery said the lady in her haughty tones and i do not convey messages maria she beckoned to a small servant whose not very clean face peeped under her substantial arm convey this intimation to your master gentlemen she flung the door open grandly enter and repose yourselves in the drawing-room vernon smiled at the tinsel majesty of the actress but the colonel without moving a muscle of his good-looking face marched in stiffly shortly they found themselves in a tawdry room of no great size crammed with theatrical photographs and furnished in a poor pretentious manner which revealed poverty while it aped the genteel mrs garrick gale formerly miss hetty montgomery conducted them in with the air of one accustomed to the centre of the stage and then departed stating that her husband would shortly do himself the honour of waiting on them what airs murmured towton recalling his shakespeare indistinctly an intolerable quantity of sack to a pennyworth of bread these actors and actresses are always in the glare of the footlights said vernon sitting down cautiously on a shaky chair 
by the way colonel if i do a little business with the professor don't look more surprised than you can help business what business i intend to ask if miss frances hest is open to an engagement it is necessary since both you and i are beginning to mistrust that young lady to be diplomatic that means you mistrust this actor also and wish to throw him off the scent vernon nodded exactly and hush he stopped and composed his features as the door opened and professor gale stalked into the room like the ghost of hamlet's father anyone could see at a glance that the man was an actor he was tall and lean and solemn yet with a twinkle in his deep sunken eyes which showed that he could play comedy as well as tragedy his bluish jowl from frequent close shaving his long hair his measured gestures and his lordly gait all revealed one who was used to the world behind the curtain his voice was deep and sonorous and his enunciation almost too perfect nor did he clip his words colloquially but gave them their full length and full meaning finally he had a certain dignity habitual to one who played many a kingly part in his time and who in ordinary life found it difficult not to relapse into blank verse colonel towton arthur vernon he read from the pencilled card these are your names i take it and your business gentlemen well we are killing two birds with one stone said vernon easily as the actor sat down in a regal manner as though the armchair were a throne my friend here wishes to see mr hest he is absent for the moment sir but will return anon will you wait or will you leave a message i prefer to wait said towton stiffly as he did not like the atmosphere of the company when do you expect mr hest back well sir he may return in twenty minutes or in sixty which is to say on the hour as my guest he has full freedom to go and return when he desires i am content that you should remain and if any refreshment thank you no interrupted the colonel hastily but politely it is well and you sir the professor turned to vernon nothing for me thank you i have called both to see mr hest and yourself sir as i wish to engage miss hest to recite at the at home of a friend of mine lady brankworth perhaps you know her well i know her well i have superintended amateur plays in her drawing-room on more than one occasion ah so she desires the services of my talented pupil and on what date thursday week i think but i'm not sure i shall have to see her again and then can let you know miss hest is away i fancy in her ancestral home in yorkshire said the actor rolling his words out grandly but she returned shortly and will be delighted to accept of the engagement provided the fees those will be all right professor lady brankworth pays liberally and so she ought to secure the services of miss hest i assure you sir that i have rarely come across a lady who recites so nobly if she would only pay attention to her art instead of indulging in social frivolity with that unfortunate young lady who lost her father at hampstead she would become one of our greatest actresses my fashion her brother does not wish her to go on the stage said vernon 
Professor Garrick Gale waved his hand and then thrust it into his coat in Napoleonic fashion. "'He is prejudiced, prejudiced. I would he were on the stage himself, if only because he resembles his sister, my talented pupil, so closely. As Viola and Sebastian in Twelfth Night, they would take the town by storm.' always provided said the old actor with another wave that mr hest has the same talent in measure as his sister has a fact i am by no means sure of they are very like one another broke in towton coldly for that reason i wish both were on the stage to play in twin parts replied the professor in his most stately manner they are as like as two eggs as you observe sir but mr hest thinks little of our glorious profession and is staying here in the vain hope of inducing me to persuade his sister my talented pupil to surrender the laurel wreath of the stage needless to say i decline to commit so great a crime how long the professor would have gone on descanting on the histrionic capabilities of francis hest it is hard to say but his eloquence was cut short by the entrance of mrs gale who swept an apologetic curtsey to the gentleman for her sudden appearance she then whispered to her husband and vernon caught a word or two about a bill a man at the back door must have his money etc gale looked perturbed and rose quickly a small domestic concern gentlemen he said stalking to the door followed by his wife excuse me while i adjust matters i shall return soon and he made his exit with mrs gale in a most approved stage fashion when they were alone the colonel asked the question can you get this engagement for miss hest oh yes lady brankworth is a great friend of mine and is always giving parties there will be no difficulty in my making good my word the old man seems to be all right and his wife also whatever devilry the hests may be up to that worthy couple know nothing about it scarcely were the words out of his mouth when the door opened quickly and a man entered the room in great haste vernon sprang to his feet maunders once more he cried the very man i wish to see and maunders it was looking like a trapped tiger furious and despairing End of chapter 14 read by don w jenkins rancho san diego california